Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So this morning we're continuing in uh, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to just say in the beginning here, Jesus, his method of ministry, his method of discipleship was uh, what has been called proclamation and demonstration. And I think, you know, in, our, in the vernacular, in our culture today, we might call it show and tell. Uh, Jesus would model ministry, and then he would talk about what he was doing. And that's what we're going to see here today a little bit. We're in the middle of the chapter, verse 14 of Luke 11, and there's a, there's a really abrupt shift in the scene here. If you remember, over the last few weeks, the first part of the chapter, Jesus is talking about prayer with his disciples. And so this is a sort of private or semi-private conversation. He's just chatting with them about how to pray and what to pray. Uh, and then the scene shifts to a more public setting, uh, in which he casts a demon out of a man, uh, and then he explains to the crowd that's gathered there uh, what has happened and, and what, what, you know, what actually goes on in that context. Uh, the essence of the passage is this. It's a power encounter. It's two conflicting kingdoms, kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Uh, it is, in my humble estimation, one of the more profound, uh, it's brief passage, but a more profound passage on spiritual warfare uh, in the New Testament. And so we're going to take a look at that today. Our title this morning is Kingdoms in Conflict. And I want to uh, just pray real quick, and then we'll look at the text together. Father, I just pray you would open our hearts to receive and give us insight into uh, your kingdom and how your kingdom operates in and through our lives day to day and that we might uh, be better equipped to serve you and to engage in uh, the warfare that is a reality of the life that we live in you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, Luke 11, 14, if you want to go to that. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Go one more. And I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? Huh? Well, he didn't say, huh, but I think he thought it. I don't know. So then they, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. A couple of uh, parenthetical comments just... Uh, before we get into this, uh, first thing is that the demon here causes a physical condition. 
Uh, he renders this particular man unable to speak. Uh, so so there, there is, at times, a connection between the demonic uh, spiritual power and, and our physical being. Uh, there, there, there's, our bodies are integrated beings, so there's also a connection between not only our physical body and our spirit, but our emotion and our, and our psychological person as well. Body, mind, spirit are all part of who we are, how we're created in Christ. And one aspect of our life can affect those other aspects. We know this scientifically. Uh, it's interesting. 5% of all illness is psychosomatic, meaning that uh, it has no root cause in our physical being at all. It, it's really generated by us thinking that we're going to be sick or it, it generates from our mind into our body. More telling than that, though, is this. Uh, this is frightening, and I don't like it. But 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are stress-related. vast majority of physical conditions, actual physical conditions in our lives are brought about by the stress that we feel emotionally and psychologically, and our physical body is literally unable to handle that stress, and so it comes out in some other way. So the same thing, that same dynamic is at play when we think about our spirit. I believe this, and again, this is my humble opinion, but I think there are people today suffering from all sorts of maladies, including uh, various fears of different things, depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts, whole gamut of uh, problems and issues in people's lives that really are spiritual in nature, that are brought about uh, by a lack of peace and joy in their life uh, th that, is, that comes directly from the enemy. Uh, so so let, me, let me clarify what I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not saying that all illness is a result of a demon, okay? Um, all, all illness is a result of living in a fallen world. Uh, so the world we live in is, uh, we know this, right? You guys know this. This world is not the way God intended it to be, right? The world that God intended, there would be no sickness. There would be no air pollution. There would be no chemicals in our food. There would be no any of the 100,000 other reasons that cause sickness in our lives. None of that would exist. And one day we'll be in a place with him in a new heaven and a new earth where none of that will exist and there will be no illness. But in this world today, there is. There is. Uh, and so sometimes, as the case here in the text with this particular man, uh, there is a direct relationship between demonic influence in a person's life and a physical condition. Uh, in the Gospels, we see Jesus ministering sometimes, like here, he speaks to a demon, he ministers to the demon, and the physical condition leaves. Other times, he ministers directly to the physical condition. And so you can see the difference between those two. Not all illness is caused by a demon, but some can be. And I would just say this, that that presents some challenges for us as a people who value caring for and ministering to one another, and that we don't always know. We don't always know what's causing this, and so I think it requires a certain level of discernment. That's one of the reasons we minister in teams here. I think two or three people together have more ability to, to have insight and understanding what's happening in a given situation than one person. Uh, but it, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell. And so I would just encourage us to continue to press in and to, to learn more and grow in our, our ability to minister to one another. Second comment I want to make here is uh, the term Beelzebul used... Uh, of Satan here. That is a name that's used in the Gospels a few times. 
I think three or four times to, to reference uh, Satan. The word literally, uh, Beelzebul, means uh, it translates Lord of the Flies. Uh, and if we want to get uh, crudely specific on this, and, and I choose to do so, uh, the origin of that word comes from the reality that flies tend to congregate around poop. And so really what the name Beelzebul is translated would be Lord of the Poop. I, you know, I, I put in an Instagram post the other day that today there would be spiritual, theological insight that you would only get here, and that's it right there. You're not going to hear that anywhere else, okay? You guys just, I want you to know that. You're not going to get that in any other church. Um, right. <laughs> Jesus casts a demon out of this, this man, and, and he's immediately able to speak. His, his uh, voice is restored. There's a crowd present. Uh, the crowd gathered around. They have, there's three different responses to Jesus' uh, healing of this particular gentleman. First, they're amazed. Wow, that was cool. I think that would be my initial response, at least. Uh, man. Uh, sec the second response, which is actually the third one mentioned, but I'm going to mention it second, is that people uh, uh, were interested, but they want to see more. And they say, show us a sign. Can you, hey, what else can you do? Uh, you know, I think that's a kind of a natural response, too. The third group, though, is a little bit critical. Uh, they accuse him of doing this by the power of the Lord of the Poop. And, and it's that particular group that Jesus addresses uh, when he says to them, hey, look, you, you guys don't even make any sense. Your logic doesn't hold up. It, it, you know, if, if Satan is casting out Satan, where, how does that work? House divided, can't stand. That's like a civil war. That doesn't make any sense at all. Besides, uh, if I'm doing it by Satan, how, how do you guys do it? What, what's, your, what's your answer? I like that. Jesus pushes back a little bit. Uh, but then, after, after he addresses the crowd, comes the, the but, really, the, the, you know, the follow-up. And it's, again, I believe one of the most profound statements in all of the Gospels or anywhere in the New Testament, really, about spiritual warfare and about the nature of the kingdom of God, uh, the heart of all ministry. And he says this in verse 20, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is intentional there very intentional in his use of the term finger of God. He could say the kingdom of God as he does in other places, but here he chooses that particular phrase in response to these critics. And the reason he chooses that, that they would have, the people listening in in that crowd that day would have been familiar with that particular phrase. It appears one other time in Scripture, and it's in Exodus chapter 8, where there is a power encounter between Moses, you might remember this, and the Pharaoh's magicians. If you could go to the next slide, I'll read that text. Switch. Did you lose it? There we go. Uh, can we go back one? Go back one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. Throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came on people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Now go forward one. 
Since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. And so Jesus is saying here, effectively, uh, he's being subtle, but uh, direct at the same time. He's saying, look, if you think I'm casting out demons by the power of Satan, you're lamer than Pharaoh's lame magicians were back then. You don't really get how this whole thing works. That, that's what he's telling them. This has some fairly significant theological implications for us. Why did Jesus show up? Why, why did Jesus come into the world? Because his house had been taken captive. Strongman had gained illegal entry and was holding the house captive and was plundering the house and keeping captive the, the people in the house. And Jesus came to redeem his house and to set those people free again. And that really is the biblical worldview. If you'd go to the next slide in 1 John, John says, we know that we are children of God. That we, we're confident in that 100%. We are children of God. And, and at the same time, we also know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. There, there's a dichotomy. We're both children of God and we're under control of the evil one. That's the reality we live in. That's what Jesus is saying. The strong man's in charge of the house. It's not his house. It's God's house. Jesus came to set those people free. Look at Luke 4. One more the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus came to do. We are supposed to be landlords. We are supposed to be in charge of the house. We are supposed to be taking care of this house. God provided it for us. It's, it's his property. And he said, I want you guys to take care of it for me. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, managing, overseeing, taking care of this world that God created on our behalf. But instead, we become slaves. And Jesus says, that's why I had to come back to help you be free so you could take your rightful place in taking care of the thing that I created on your behalf. And the reality is that we cannot do that alone. It's, it's, we've, we've proven that. Um, we don't have the strength. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the discernment. We don't have the wherewithal to do this on our own. We need the Spirit of God in our lives to do that because we're under, control, we're under the control of the strong man. And we see it everywhere. We see it all across the board in everything that takes place in the world today. Uh, look, all the technological advances that we do on our own, all of the medical science we have, all the amazing realities. I mean, it's an amazing thing. 21st century technology is an amazing thing. You know, I have, you know, we have, you have friends around the world and they type a little thing in their phone and two seconds later, I'm reading that from them. I mean, I, that's pretty cool. My friend's in the hospital on the other side of the country and he texts me, he goes, I'm in the hospital getting a test. I go, well, I'll pray for you. I mean, he's literally on the thing going in to the room for the test and I'm praying for him in that moment. It's amazing. And yet, despite all the technology we have in the world today, we still can't figure this thing out. I mean, look, here's the reality. We can't, we can't even come up with a good reason to stop killing each other. War is a way of life. No one in this room has ever lived in a world without war. We just, we just assume that's the way it's supposed to be. If there's not a war going on here, there's a war going on there. There's a war going on somewhere in any given day. It might involve us. Let's play a game. Let me ask a question. 
What do you think is the United States, U.S., this one country, our budget for military expenses for one year? 2018, what is the budget for military expenses in the United States for one year? Somebody. Get. How much? Five billion? Fifteen billion. How much? Five. Five. What? Fifteen. Anybody else? You want to go to the next slide? $649 billion every year on military expenses from our country. Let me ask you another question. How much do you think it would cost to end world hunger legitimately? To have enough resource to feed all the people in the world. Somebody. Go to the next slide. $30 billion. $30 billion we could end world hunger. So I did the math on my calculator, not in my head. It's about 4.5%. For 4.5% of our annual military budget, we could feed everybody on the planet. If you put that another way, if we cut our military budget by 5%, we could feed everybody on the planet. What's wrong with this picture? Or let me ask it this way. Who do you think is in control of the house? The poop guy. You win. The poop guy. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that is correct. I can't even continue. What, can I have the band come back up? Um, hey, look, look, I want to say this. Thank you. I, I chose that illustration specifically because it's dramatic. It is dramatic. I get that. It's true, and it's real. Those are real numbers. Look them up, but it's dramatic. And, but the reason is this, that that same dynamic is at play in everything. Nothing makes sense. It, that same dynamic works in relationship to your health, your family, your relationships, your job. It's all that same dynamic is around us. The poop guy is in control of the house. That's how this thing's working. And he's a bad, bad guy. And he doesn't like you. And he doesn't like me. And he doesn't like anybody. And Jesus wants his house back. And that's why we're here. We're here to help him take the house back. Jesus said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. That's how it works. So, the way that we take the house back is not by conquering our foes and blowing them all to smithereens. It's not by the military budget of $650 billion a year. No, it's not by calling down. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to call down legions of angels. No, Peter, put your sword away. The way that we're going to take the house back is by loving our enemies. The way that we're going to take the house back is by doing what I did and laying down my life for a friend. That's how we're going to take the house back, by living in love. I just want to say this. We've been talking and praying about joy lately and, and, and hope and just allowing those 
realities that aren't always realities to penetrate our heart and begin to walk in them in a greater way. And I just want to say this, joy, hope, peace, love, those things are not in a strong economy. They're not in who sits in the White House or who doesn't sit in the White House. They're not in having the biggest army on the planet. They're not in the latest scientific breakthrough. They're not even in a, a cure for coronavirus. They're in living and loving like Jesus lived in love. That's where those things exist. And that's what we're called as a people to do is live in love and walk in love and begin to person by person, day by day, take the house back. So why don't we stand and, and we're gonna worship uh, and close. And if you would like prayer today, I'm gonna invite our ministry team to go to the sides of the room. And if you're here today, if you're sick, we would love to pray for you for healing. If something else is going on in your life and you would just like a touch from God today, if you just want somebody to stand with you in prayer, if the poop guy's having his way in your life right now, just uh, go and, and just connect with somebody and have somebody pray with you before you go. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.